Amen. Good morning. All right, welcome to One Church. My name is Pastor Dale. It's my privilege to bring us the word today. If you have your Bibles, open to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We're going to be exploring some of the lessons that Jesus teaches uh, about the secret of fruitfulness uh, in our lives. God wants us to be people that are fruitful. He wants us to be people that are reproducing. Um, And by the way, Becky and I have been out of town, so it's great to be back. And uh, we brought the weather with us. Uh, Yeah, but anyway, uh, it's great to be back. Uh, You know, usually we travel together, but I just thought I'd give you the one-minute version of where we've been and what we've been up to. Because we were last here speaking, teaching on um, August 6th. And then on August 7th, the two of us drove to LAX, uh, in which on the same day, she got on a plane for Sydney, Australia. I got on a plane for Africa with a small team to do to do training, to do pastor training. Uh, She was having the most fun because, I'll show you a quick picture overview. This is what she was doing. Yeah, this is our newest grandson, uh, Samuel Hebron Shell. So, very special little guy. So, this is Becky with Sam, enjoying Sam. He's already a very deep thinker. He likes to study the Word of God. This is us doing some scripture memory together. And he's also a football fan, so he was ready for the beginning of the season, especially tonight's game that's coming up. So anyway, but that's Sam. That's enough, that's enough about Sam. At the same time, we flew over to uh, Tanzania, to Arusha. And in Arusha, we had the privilege of doing training with about 140 pastors for a couple of days on leadership, which had never received that kind of training. Uh, and by the way, I wanted to share this because you at Seacoast may not have known this, but you actually supported about half of the cost of doing this particular training. So your gifts, your offerings are being invested in the lives of pastors. We spent a very exciting third day with about 50 pastors who wanted to come out and be trained to reproduce this and train other pastors as well. Out of those 50, I was very excited because toward the end of the day, we did something we've never done. They actually broke into groups and developed their own plans for reproducing uh, what are they going to do with this to really begin to share it with other, other pastors? Uh, the goal of reproducing is to not only have transformed pastors, but to have transformed families and churches as well, because healthy families build healthy churches. Here's a picture of one of the pastors that happened to be there with his wife and his child. So uh, it's a real joy to invest in these Lives. One illustration alone was an organization that trains African pastors called Alarm brought 12 of their staff. Here's a picture with them. Those 12 staff on the planning day set out their plans. They shared their plans with all of their, all of the, uh, their peers that were there. That's a picture of them sharing those. And their goal is to actually train all of their national staff to break into 10 teams and train 500 pastors in the coming year. So, you know, it's exciting to see them catching the vision and beginning to do the work uh, as a result of your investment. So thanks so much for that. I'll turn to John 15, though, because our visit to Africa is going to set up the theme of the morning from John 15. Pray with me, okay? Father God, thanks so much for um, what you're doing, what you're doing to bring life to people through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for the, uh, the gift of life whenever we see it 
in a newborn child. But Father, we know that the, the real birth that you care about the most is when people experience the new birth in Christ, come to life in Christ, begin to grow and produce fruit in Christ. So we pray that as we study John 15 this morning, you would teach us more about the secret of fruitfulness. That's, that's my prayer, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus often used everyday experiences to teach spiritual lessons. And that was certainly true in John chapter 15. Now, because we haven't been going through John, let me just set up this chapter. This chapter is Jesus' final biggest sermon on what he wanted his followers to know and remember when he was headed for the cross, when he was headed for his resurrection, his ascension back to heaven. So it's a precious section of teaching. At the very heart of John chapters 13 to 17 is this sermon. And in the very middle of it, in John 15, Jesus says this. Let me just read an excerpt from it. Listen to it. He says, I am, verse 1, follow me, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Now jump down to verse 5 with me. He says, I am the vine. You're just branches. He who abides in me draws his life from me, and I in him. He bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus knew what it was like to live in a culture in which most people farmed, most people raised crops, most people raised, had vineyards and trees and olive trees and various types of trees. And Jesus uses this in John 15 to teach some very, very important lessons that I think as we wrap up the summer and anticipate our launch into the fall, and even as we celebrate baptism and the new life in Christ today with several people, these lessons are like the vital essentials of our lives, especially if our desire is fruitfulness. Now, when I was in Arusha, I didn't really see any vineyards, but what I did see were a lot of coffee plants, coffee plantations everywhere, huge plantations. Uh, we had the privilege, actually, as a team to go out and visit a particular coffee plantation just shortly outside of the city of Arusha. Arusha is not too far from Kilimanjaro, if you want to picture that, in kind of north-central Tanzania. Kilimanjaro, little mountain, right? the biggest mountain in all of Africa, over 19,000 feet. Uh, Kilimanjaro and its slopes and the areas around that are, are, are rich for growing some of the greatest coffee on the planet. And we visited this coffee farm and, and took a little tour and, and, and just learned a ton about coffee. But as we did, I kept thinking of John chapter 15. I kept thinking of the principles of John 15 and of abiding in Christ and abiding in the vine and of, and of the value of pruning and as I, as I listened to this man give us the tour. And the thing that I want to emphasize is what we're talking about is not just having life in Christ, it's being fruitful in that life. It's really being transformed by Christ, bearing good fruit, not just good fruit, but great fruit. Great, not great fruit, but great fruit. Don't get me wrong here, okay? I'm not a, you know, I got, don't mix your analogies here, Dale. Okay. 
I'm talking about the type fruit that comes from this picture of the coffee cherries. Go back a little bit to that picture of the coffee cherries. That's what they call them, actually, because they turn red. You may not know, but coffee beans are buried inside those red cherries. They don't pick them until they're red. And, and, and this man who has spent his whole life as an agronomist with a master's in everything related to coffee gave us a personal tour of their plantation and about the whole thing that goes into producing rich, high-quality coffee. So he's not talking about the kind of coffee that you get in this can. That's why I brought this thing. Okay, I wanted to find, I'm sorry, I grew up on Folgers, Maxwell House, in big cans like this. This is how my parents thought was good coffee, okay? Uh, you know, but the reality is we will never serve you this here at Seacoast, okay? So, you know, this is actually from Costco. Pardon me, Costco. I like Costco, but, and, uh, you know, this is basically the Folgers brand, okay? And then you got the better quality stuff that Becky and I often like. You know, there's a little bit of Pike Place from a little place that you'll recognize by the very color of the bag, right? Which is Starbucks. But this you've never seen. This is the highest quality coffee. This is from the slopes of Kilimanjaro. Uh, and this is the really good stuff. This is the good stuff. It's more expensive than this or this, but it's higher quality. It comes from the very best beans, the very best fruit. And that's really what I want to see because the goal of our life, if I were to use coffee as our master metaphor today, because most of you like coffee, right? Okay, if not, get into tea, whatever, hang with me. The, you know, the reality is you, you don't, your Christian life can kind of be like this. Yeah, it's coffee, but it's pretty low grade. But we're talking about how do you produce this kind of fruit? How do you produce this kind of fruit so that your life is illustrated by this picture? Boom. Now, does that look good? Yeah, see, I'm ready for that. We're serving this to everyone at the, at the barbecue today. No, we're not. We don't have time for that. <laughs> see, this is the goal. Because you want lives that are enriched by the gospel of Christ in such a way that this would represent the quality of your life, the aroma of our lives as we reach out to our world. That's the goal. Now, the fact of the matter is, God wants us to have high-quality fruit, like goes into this cup of coffee. He also wants us to do what's illustrated in this next picture, which is he wants us to reproduce our lives. It's kind of hard to see, but if you look at the right hand of, uh, of Professor Agasso, who is the Tanzanian coffee expert on our tour, he's holding a tiny little coffee plant. You can see it in his hand. And he actually reached down underneath the coffee bush we were next to, and he said, here's how we expand the quality of our coffee and the size of our, of, our, of our business. And he reached down right below the plant, and he gently pulled out of the dirt that little plant. And he said, we take these little plants that are reproducing in the coffee farm under the bushes, and we, and we plant them, and we care for them, and we nurture them while they're little until they're about six months old. And then we plant whole new, whole new orchards or, or vineyards. Uh, what are these things anyway? Coffee plantations. We expand new acreage. By the way, this one farm, to give you a perspective in size, was about 250,000 acres of coffee. This is big business. This is not small stuff. Healthy plants reproduce healthy plants. That was his message. 
And I think Jesus really is saying the same thing to us. He wants us to bear good fruit in the quality of our lives, but he also wants us to be fruitful in the sense of reproducing. We like to say here at Seacoast, we exist to bring life to people. We exist to help people experience life that is in Jesus Christ and what it means to be one of his followers. So that's what that little plant represents. That doesn't mean that all of us end up looking alike. In fact, I like this next picture because it shows us in their tasting room. This is their quality control room. And all of those bags that you see, there were more than 20 different bags. Every bag was different because it represented a different day's harvest over the last six months and how they were testing the beans, rating the beans for quality, making sure that they were pure, making sure they were the very best beans. And and, and every little bag that you see ended up going into one of those cups. And I had the privilege of walking through and tasting 20 cups of coffee. Now, I was wired by the end of the day. But they're all different. And he explained to us that, that they're after the very best beans. Because the secret to great coffee are really great beans. And every bush, this next picture shows this huge bush that our missions team was standing in the middle of. It's just loaded down with beans. Good beans. Making great coffee. Now it made me think though, as I looked at that bush, it was obvious that it had been pruned several times. And that the quality of the coffee has a lot to do with that pruning. Listen to just a one-minute clip from Dr. Agassi about pruning. comes at the end of the cropping year. We'll back up and try that again. Pruning comes at the end of the cropping year. You've already harvested your crop, so you are planning for the future uh, crop. Planning for the future crop, you are looking at uh, various factors. You are looking at how are you going to feed uh, the, the, the fruits or the, the flowers that are going to produce uh, fruits. How uh, much uh, quality coffee are you going to get? You want also light to penetrate so that uh, all the leaves that you've left can have light for food manufacturing. You want also to open up the tree so that when you are doing spraying, disease and pest control it can penetrate the tree you want also uh, to make sure that uh, even during a harvesting not uh, all the fruits are hidden somewhere so you are developing a kind of a plan through pruning because if you make a mistake during pruning then it's very difficult to come and correct this in the future because once it flowers as an agronomist as a farmer you will see that you have produced so many flowers, so many babies, which you don't want to do away with. And that will affect your, 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 the quality of crop and your yield. But if you prune early in a proper way, then you don't have to regret because yeah. you are carrying what you already planned for. Yeah. So pruning comes as the end of the crop. So he said, if you prune early and you prune right, then you don't have to regret it later in life. So let's go now to Jesus and listen again to what I read earlier from John 15. Because there's two big ideas, one big promise. Two ideas, one promise from the passage. Here we go. The two big ideas. First, verse 4. 
Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. You branches. In fact, the word the is not even in the Greek text. It, it implies you're just a branch. Recognize that you're just a branch. I am the vine. And if you abide in me, you bear much fruit. And then he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. See, what Jesus is emphasizing is he's the source of life. You know, when he says, I am the vine, picture the, the, the stem, picture the trunk of that coffee tree, picture the, uh, the stem or the vine in a vineyard. And he says, I am the vine, and you're just branches. And the branches can hold fruit. They are important in that they display the fruit to the world. The fruit hangs on the branch, but the branch doesn't produce fruit. The fruit is actually produced by Jesus Christ, who's done for us all that we need, lives in us through his spirit, and as we abide in him, draw our life from him, put our trust in him continually, he bears the good fruit. Now, it's interesting that uh, even as I toured this, this uh, plantation with uh, Dr. Agassi, Agassi, he said this, he get, this quote stuck out to me, he said, and the best fruit always grows closest to the vine. The best fruit always grows closest to the vine. Literally, he said, as you come down the branch, he said, that's why you've got to prune. If you don't prune after every crop, then the branch gets too long. The nutrients can't make it out to the very ends of the branch. So it has fruit, but it's diseased fruit or weak fruit or it's fruit that's easy to uh, to either uh, you know, be poor quality or even get diseased. He said, so we prune to force all the new growth to be close to the vine. And he said, then the branch grows on out, but the fruit is up there closer to the vine itself. And I thought, what a great illustration that you know, what Jesus says in verse 4 is, I'm the vine, abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, it's straight a visual reminder that the further we get from Christ, the further we try to do what we do in our lives without Christ, the lower the quality of the fruit or the absence of it completely. So stay close to the vine. So how do we do this? How do we stay close to the vine? How do we abide in Christ? A couple of observations. Number one, pay attention to verse 5. In verse 5, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Man, that's humbling. Because I have a tendency to think, well, you know, I can do a lot with Christ, but, you know, I'm pretty good without him even. You know, and, and that's not true. So I need to stay humble and recognize that apart from Christ, no fruit of good quality can really be produced. So it, it drives me to understand the importance of staying close to the vine. That's the first thing that helps me abide. The second thing that I saw in in this passage and also in my tour of the farm was developing deep roots in Christ helps me to abide in him. If I want to abide consistently, I've got to have deep roots. Now, we don't have time today because we're doing a shorter message to go into the details of verses 7 through 10, but let me show you the highlights. In verse 7, he talks about abiding in me. That means stay dependent upon me. Then he says, and let my words abide in you. So he wants us to be in the Word of God, but he also wants the Word of God to be alive and living in us. So it means I've got to be into the Word and getting the Word into me like Sam was in our Scripture memory sessions over in Australia. 
I did eventually catch up with Becky, by the way. I flew back from Africa, uh, spent one night in a hotel, jumped on another plane, went to Australia. So I've been, I've been in like 17 time zones in the last three weeks. So where am I today anyway? But, you know, abide in the Word. Get the Word into us. Ask what you wish and it shall be done for you. That's an emphasis on prayer. And then he says, abide in my love. Live daily aware of the unconditional love of God. I call it grace, if you want to use a single word. Abide in grace. Abide in love. How do you do that? Obedience. Keep my commandments. If you love me, you keep my commandments. You'll abide in my love as I abide in my Father's love. So Jesus, in verses 7 through 10, kind of unpacks what it means to really abide in Christ or what we need to do to do that. Now, there's one lesson. Oh, by the way, if you want to really go deep on this and develop your roots, don't overlook the fact that we have a class, not a class, but an experience here at Seacoast called Rooted. And it starts in a couple weeks, so make sure next week you get signed up for... If you've never been through Rooted, you ought to sign up, go through Rooted. If you've been through Rooted, sign up, get in a life group, because it's in life groups and it's in Rooted that we literally want to help you spiritually to get rooted in Christ, rooted in the church, rooted in your faith. But if you don't send down deep roots, you are never going to produce great fruit. There is one more lesson that's not on this list, and that's in verse 18, where Christ actually tells his disciples, if you follow me, you will suffer. At times, you'll be persecuted. At times, it won't be easy to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's increasingly true in our culture today. And, and, and the fascinating thing, again, as I come back to this story, is when we were touring these, uh, these coffee, this coffee farm, Dr. Agassi actually said this, he said, one of the things that produces the best beans is when the plant every year has to go through a couple months of drought. He says, we have a regular cycle of rain and then drought. And he says, it's very important that we have annual drought on the farm because that's when the roots go deep. And that actually puts the plant under stress. And the way God has designed it is the stress that the plant is under actually um, stimulates the plant to put out blossoms for the next crop. So if it rains too much, the plant actually produces a low-quality crop. And I think it's that way in our lives. You know, if we never go through problems, we never go through stress, we're not going to bear that kind of good quality fruit. So first lesson, what is it? Abide in Christ. The best fruit comes from being the closest to the vine. All right, lesson two is obvious, verse two. It says, those who are bearing fruit, in verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. By the way, the word takes away actually means to lift it up. He actually lifts it up so that it can get more sun. It's a Greek word that could be translated lift up so that it gets more sun and, and, and actually begins to be fruitful. Uh, it doesn't mean he throws it away in this part of the passage in verse two. But notice this, and the branch that is bearing fruit, he prunes it so it can bear more fruit. So the secret to not just to fruitfulness is abiding in Christ. The secret to more fruitfulness is abiding plus pruning. And being pruned is essential to our lives and our growth in Christ this year. Now, uh, when I thought about pruning, I thought, what is it that they prune and how does it relate spiritually to us? 
So here's my short list. You can meditate on this this week. Number one, you prune what is diseased. Diseased branches get severely pruned. You've got to get rid of them. I think in our spiritual life, what would that be? Sin. Sin always harms our life. It harms our fruit. It produces a poor quality with a bitter taste, and, and the quality of our, of, our, of our fruitfulness for Christ goes down dramatically. So we need to prune sin. That's obvious. But you also prune things that simply are not sinful, but they, they, they drain you. They drain you of energy. They drain you of time. They drain you of emotions. Because when we spend all of our time on things that drain us, or even let me combine it with the next one, things that distract us, things that block our view of the sun, i.e., S-O-N, of Jesus Christ. When, you, when, we're blo- when the sun can't penetrate our life, whenever we are being drained by activities or things that just suck up our time, our energy, our resources, then you have lower quality fruit. Things that distract us, things that drain us. Finally, prune in order to, again, stay closer to the vine and recognize that pruning at times can even be painful. That's the kill. That's the key, is that pruning does at times hurt. So two great principles. What are they? Number one, abide. Stay closer to the vine if you want to see more fruit in your life. And number two, be willing to take a look at your life and say, what is it that's sucking my attention and my energy away from Christ? And be willing to prune and put that focus back where it belongs. Now, I told you there were two principles and one promise, right? The promise is in verse 11. These things... I'm teaching you, Jesus says, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. God's will is more fruit with more joy. Not one or the other. He's not trying to rob you of anything. He's trying to to give us real life. Amen? Amen. Before we celebrate that with baptism, celebrate that with the life of our community together, let's pray, okay? Father God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the life that you give us. Thank you so much for the, uh, for the promise of greater fruit with more joy and fruitfulness. Uh, Father, I pray that, um, that our lives would be a sweet aroma to the community. I pray that we could reach Encinitas, reach this coastal area that we live in, because we give off the fresh aroma of a freshly brewed uh, cappuccino, espresso, double hot, double shot, Uh, an aroma that would draw people towards you. Um, May we be, Father, not uh, kind of Folgers quality believers. May we be people who uh, have the aroma of Christ. That's our prayer. In Christ's name, amen.